Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Engineering complex materials around us can help make our lives more comfortable and safe. Whether it be developing a skin that helps robots be safer or soldiers stay safe in combat, to keeping things cool and dry, whether that be with hydrophobic materials or super bioengineered cells that can make your workout outfit sweat less. Now we all know the saying, like water off a duck's back, and duck's backs are hydrophobic. That is to say, water, when it comes to a contact with the duck's back, just rolls off it. But there are many things in our life that are hydrophobic. We use hydrophobic coatings to make our clothes more durable and to keep things from getting wet, steel from not coming in contact with water and rusting, concrete from avoiding decay. So hydrophobic coatings are very, very popular. And they work through breaking up of surface tension and by very intricate micro and nano structures. These nano structures basically prevent the effect of something called Cassie's law, which is to do with the angle that a bubble of water makes on the surface. You increase that angle um, by making it come harder to get a flat surface, then the uh, bubble will just repel itself. And this is what lots of hydrophobic structures use. These micro, which is 10 to the negative 6 meters, or nano, which is 10 to the negative 9 structures, to sort of make very jagged shapes that look visibly flat but have these undulations in it or complex pillars or columns that repel water. And for example, you can get steel nowadays that has a, looks like a perfectly flat surface, but inside it are these little cavities, little dimples, one or two microns deep. And this actually prevents the water from forming and repels water off the surface of the steel, which is super useful. A study published in the journal Bioinspiration Biomimicry in 2008, conducted by Liu, Shen, and Xin, investigated what ducks use for their hydrostatic properties. And we know that ducks excrete a preening oil that helps keep the water from getting into the feathers and getting waterlogged. But also, the feathers have this very, very complicated undulating microstructure that actually also assists in preventing water from getting into the feathers. The problem with all these different techniques is that they require these little very intricate, very small structures. And if there's any kind of damage to these structures, then the whole effect breaks down. Water gets in and then no longer hydrophobic or super hydrophobic for those that are incredibly repellent of water. So how do you make a structure keep its coating and remain hardy and strong when it gets scratched or something like that? You know, clothes notoriously come into contact with everything and anything. Keeping clothes safe is very, very difficult. Same thing applies to boats or any other type of industrial application where we need materials like this. So to counter this, a group of researchers in a paper published recently in the American Chemical Society Journal, Hones, Kondrashov and Ruhr, published how they took the concept of snakeskin and applied that to their super hydrophobic material and made something that is resistant to damage or at least for a couple of scratches. So effectively, what this team of researchers used is a multi-layered effect. First, they took a water repellent film, and for their super hydrophobic material, they used poly 1H, 1H, 2H, 2H, perifluorodecyl acrylate, PFA. 
and they made out of that a really complicated structure that they call a nanograss, mostly because it looks like tall columns that resemble and sway like grass. And on top of this, they have polymer that's water-soluble, and it sort of acts as a bubble in between, and on the top, well, another layer of this nanograss. And so the idea is as follows. The layer in the nanograss is super water repellent, and that acts just fine as a super hydrophobic substance. But let's say that top layer gets scratched. Well, that's no good. So the scratch actually sort of cuts open a little section of that, and water gets in. That water-soluble polymer, the middle of the sandwich, dissolves. And water gets into this now cavity between the layers. But this water is actually then used to push or lift off and shed, much like a snake shedding its skin, that top layer of superhydrophobic material, leaving underneath a safe and thriving still superhydrophobic material. And so it's a great concept, and it shows that you can make a material that's resistant to damage. It will shed and peel and flake in a little bit, but overall, it will remain superhydrophobic. And that works really, really well. But the problem, as these researchers note, is that, well, once you get through that next layer below it, then you run out again of the same problem. We need to figure out a way to make this strengthen so that you can't just slice through all three layers at once and ruin the whole effect, or make it have it self-closing so that after a while it repairs the damage to one area. But it's a good concept and shows that we can learn things from nature and build complexity into our structures on a nano scale to make them more resistant and less likely to get wet. When you're exercising, one of the problems with it is that, well, you get hot and you get sweaty. And this adaption of humans to sweat is actually one of our evolutionary success stories. It enabled us to regulate our temperatures and hunt as long-distance hunters, particularly as we transitioned from being in the trees to being on the ground as our species evolved. And so sweat is super useful, but socially undesirable. Sweaty people smell, and okay, yes, it can be inconvenient and uncomfortable experience for people who are exercising. So, like all good things, what can science do to lend a hand? And a group of researchers, led by Van Vang and Linning Yao, led a project at MIT's tangible media group called Biologic. Now, the purpose of Biologic was to take the properties of microbes, or small cellular structures that can change their shape, move and adapt when things change in the air, like humidity or temperature, and thrive in a new environment, and see what they could do to apply this scientific concept, this chemical engineering, well, to clothing, to make clothing that can adapt and change its behaviour depending on the heat or the humidity, sweat, of the wearer. And that was the principle that these researchers started with. And it's not just cutting vent holes or making a mesh shirt. No, no, no. They wanted to use live cells, adaptive cells, and make them change and adapt inside the clothing. So if you look at, say, a pine cone scale, 
or even down to the microbial level or something like yeast. It's very common for these natural shapeshifters to change the way in which their cells are constructed in response to conditions around them. And so they turn to a very common shape-changing bacteria, E. coli. Now, this E. coli had all its pathogens stripped out of it, and it's basically then just a pretty handy research vessel. And they found they're able to swell and shrink the E. coli with a response to changes in humidity. And that's great, because when we sweat, it produces moisture in the air, and that's, that's humidity. Then, they further engineered them to express a green fluorescent protein, enabling the cell to glow when it sensed humid conditions. So basically, they have to be able to light up when it goes, oh, actually, hey, it's a bit hot here. So they took this, and they used a cell printing method that we developed to print E. coli onto sheets of rough natural latex. So they made big, long, parallel lines of E. coli cells in latex and made a sandwich structure, multi-layered structure of these cells. And what they did then was expose the fabric to changing moisture conditions. When the fabric was placed on a hot plate or somewhere really, really dry, the cells began to shrink, causing the overlying latex layer to just curl up so that when the cells constrict in shape, the latex that's around them also starts then to bend. So it's not the cells doing all the movement, but they're pulling on the latex that is. When the fabric is placed on uh, something that's exposed to steam, for example, the cells begin to glow because they're expressing this fluorescent protein. And they also expand. Now that expansion actually pushes the, the latex layer out further and further apart. And they, they'd cycled this, hot, cold, hot, cold, dry, wet, and... There was no real degradation in the cell because it's just a normal natural function of these cells' behaviours. It's not anything common or special. It's just what these cells do. So now that they had a biofabric, they needed to make it from a biofabric into a wearable garment. And there's a lot of design in this because it's very difficult to actually design a fabric that counters both heat and sweat. As one of the lead study authors showed, a lot of people think that heat and sweat are the same, they're quoted as saying. But an area like the spine produces a lot of sweat, but not a lot of heat. So that is the design principle that they took to designing these garments. Where there was a high area of heat, they made the flaps bigger. Where there was an area of high swell, they sort of changed the design. So they also sewed in support frames where around this biofabric to make sure that there wasn't too much strain or load on the individual cells underneath. And also to keep these cells from coming in direct contact with the skin. So now there's, because there's some sort of airflow just above the skin, a gap, that means that the cells can respond to these changes in humidity or temperature pretty accurately without being directly exposed, which may wear them down. Now, for example, what they did then is put on this bio suit onto their research subject and, you know, made them start doing exercise, riding a tread, riding a bike or ride, walking on a treadmill. And the experience, as noted in the paper, is something like having an air conditioner on your back that it happens after a few minutes when you start to heat up and sweat a bit. And that's for clothes. But for shoes, they have a different problem. When you sweat on your feet, it's not the top of your foot that gets hot or sweaty. It's actually the base, the sole of your foot. And in that instance, you actually want to drain moisture away from the base of your feet because that can lead to things such as fungal infections or athlete's foot or warts and so on. 
So how do you keep the feet dry to avoid these issues? We well, need to actually design the shoe underneath the fabric to have the cells leaning forward. And so they designed the size and position of all these little flaps to drain also away from where the rest of the foot is to prevent pooling of liquid and avoid uh, these types of issues that you get when you have a wet, soggy, sweaty, smelly sock, for example. And this whole stuff is amazing for athletes, but it also has applications to how we pack items. When we make packaging at the moment, we don't want a lot of moisture buildup, and we also want to let air in and keep temperatures nice and safe. So this layer of second skin almost could be used and applied to packaging, as well as to clothing. And the important part about that is that this is a living material, not a physical structure, but one that's functioning in a biological way. So it's very, very hardy and resilient. This is some great work being done out of Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, their chemical engineering department, as well as their media lab. A lot of us have the dream of being a robot or having robots that are really human and lifelike around us. And that exists in everything from shows like Westworld to being human, almost human, and other other different shows out there. Now, researchers from the University of Minnesota have taken us a little bit closer to that and developing a way to actually 3D print stretchable electronic sensory devices. More importantly, they can do this directly onto skin. And these stretchable, flexible electronic devices serve not only robots, potentially, giving them the ability to feel their environment around them with a flexible skin, but also for humans to be able to have circuitry and electronics printed straight onto their actual skin. So this helps both the robots and the humans. This was, study was published in the Advanced Materials Journal and was led by Michael McAlpine, from the University of Minnesota and his team, which includes a team of graduate students Shangyang Zhang Go, Kaiyun Ku, Fan Ben Meng, and Sun Hyun Park. So one of the big challenges here is you need to make a flexible skin-like substance. Now they obviously didn't print directly onto anyone's hands. What they did instead, or at least for the initial test, was to print on a model hand structure. And then they took that printed structure and actually put it on a real hand to show that it could work. At its core, they rely on a very, very specialized 3D printer that uses four different types of inks um, to make up the layers of the device. The first, a base layer of silicon, the sec this top and bottom layers made of a conducting ink and a coil-shaped pressure sensor. Then on top of all that, a sacrificial layer that holds everything in place while it sets and then melts away sort of washed away at the end of the manufacturing process to clean it up, but also make sure it can bridge and cross gaps and enable the print to be strong. All of these inks actually are just settable at room temperature. So unlike a conventional plastic 3D printer that you may be familiar with, which requires high heat 
to actually melt the plastic material or a laser to melt the metal powder. This actually is just using room temperature inks. And that means you can make it a flexible print right onto a skin without worrying about having to damage or burn the skin. And these, these, scent, these skins that they make are actually very, very flexible. They can stretch up to three times the original size. So by having a multi-layered, multi-material type print with an intricate structure, they've actually made it incredibly flexible, resistant, and also still able to act as a sensor or a circuit. Now, why would you want to do all this type of work? Well, aside from the fact it's be immensely useful to have robots that have a soft bionic type skin that could sense contact in a whole bunch of places to make it much more responsive and behave in the same way humans work. It would be, that would be really, really cool. But another thing that would actually also be very important is that you could help build skin or print skin that can respond to things around it in an electrical way turning you into a biomechanic and electrical system, a, a cyborg, if you will. And that would be incredibly useful for monitoring the health of patients or for soldiers trying to detect dangerous chemicals or explosives in the field. There's a lot of options where we could use this technology. The big problem at the moment now is manufacturing scale. Now, they have this multifunction printer that can make these several layers together, but it takes a long time and it's incredibly complex. The manufacturing part is a key part of the process. So whilst in other researching you come up with a cool idea and then you have to think of a way to build it, most of the challenges here are actually already solved because they've already had to solve them in order to make the first version, which is great. But at the moment it's quite basic type of sensors. They need to improve the sophistication to make things like semiconductors and switches, which is what we need for actual significant and complicated circuitry. But it's a great start some interesting work in materials and mechanical engineering being done out of the University of Minnesota. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. From hydrophobic materials that shed a layer to keep itself safe and dry, to clothes that open and close to help keep it cool and not sweaty, and 3D printed, responsive, electrically skin. Our ending theme was composed by Audionatics. Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.